I had to make sure I wasn't dreaming off, when yeah. he said what he said. So, uh, but I'm, I'm here, of course, joined with Nick Bakins of the Bakins Show. Nick. everybody welcome to another episode of buffoon and bodkins i am the latter half of that bodkins is here the buffoon is going to be joining us a little bit later uh so i missed last week but i'm back this week uh kudos to tanner holding it down the fort last week if you missed that show please check it out he'll be back he's on the currently uh filling his contract obligation to the johnny cruz show and uh, then he'll be uh, hopping on, joining us shortly, hopefully after that. But as you know, we're always joined every Monday by a uh, certain guest. We're going to talk a little hockey. Guess what? Because I don't really know a whole lot about hockey and I enjoy talking more wrestling with this guy. We're going to talk a little wrestling, too. So we're going to talk a little bit of everything. Welcome to the show, as always, Jim Berenger. Uh, Jim, what's up? Uh, Tanner just going to ruin our wrestling uh, talk because he's just hopping on because he wants to talk hockey. And let's, now, talk, let's talk some wrestling. You know, uh, but uh, we'll talk hockey and wrestling. So, Jim, I know it is uh, the NHL trade deadline. What moves have been made? What moves are we expecting to be made? All right. So there's a lot of moves that have happened already pre-deadline. Obviously, let's start with the big one. Timo Meyer goes to the New Jersey Devils. That happened yesterday. Got the text around, oh, I want to say about quarter to five Eastern time. That deal didn't get finished till about 8 p.m. Eastern time because of all the pieces. So about, it, it was like nine players, bunch of picks, a lot of things going back and forth. But Timo Meyer, the if you look at trade bait boards, if you looked at full press hockey, I had him number two on my board behind Patrick Kane who I feel was number one. A lot of places had him number one. One of the top one or two picks on the trade bait board goes to New Jersey. Power forward, goal scorer, 30 goal scorer, something the Devils need. After that, we see Tanner Janot go from the Nashville Predators to the Tampa Bay Lightning for five draft picks and Cal Foot. Like, wait, Tanner Janot, this guy gets five pieces in a deal? Look, I know what Julian Breezewa is doing. I get it. These draft picks are not going to help this team now. They're probably not going to help this team in the future. They want to keep winning. Okay. But they still gave up a lot. Prior to that, we saw Bo Horvat go to the Islanders, sign an extension. The Rangers, they picked up Vladimir Tarasenko, Nico Mikola, and Tyler Mott. And the Rangers, caveat, the Rangers are still in on Patrick Kane, and that's the only place he wants to go to. And it's probably going to happen either tomorrow or Wednesday because they moved out money with Vitaly Kratsov going to Vancouver. Jake LeCision cleared waivers and a bunch of other guys cleared waivers to make the money work. They're playing cap gymnastics here. What, Toronto, what, yeah, what happens ahead. if Patrick Kane doesn't get moved from Chicago? Because I know he's talked about not playing and you know threatening to sit out. Is this, this is something that would, he, would take shape? I mean, he's probably going to play the rest of his contract out this year. I mean, I mean, what is he going to do? Miss the last 20 games and then or have hip surgery? I mean, we know he has a lingering hip issue, so maybe he decides, hey, I'm just going to have surgery. I'm going to be a free agent in the offseason anyway, and I can sign wherever I want. 
I'm guessing, like we saw with the San Jose deal to New Jersey, the di- law of dimin- diminishing returns is going to happen. Chicago's not going to get what they want because it's only one team. And we know, as we've seen in years past, like last year at the trade deadline, Claude Drew's like, I want to go to Florida. This is the only place I want to go to make it happen. So you're going to have to take what the team offers to get the player out of there. Um, Kane has yet to officially put pen to paper about waiving his no movement clause. We know he wants to go to New York. We know we saw the quotes come out after Tarasenko went to the Rangers. He was upset. The Toronto media tried to get him to say the same thing when the, the Maple Leafs traded for Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari because Kane was linked to the Maple Leafs as well. Oh, by the way, the Maple Leafs also picked up Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty from the mm-hmm. Chicago Blackhawks today. So, look, Toronto is positioning themselves to get out of the first round this year and maybe make a deeper run. If they don't do it this year, big changes are coming in Toronto. It's, Which, it's a big it's a big expectation for Toronto now, though, going to play. Uh, like They have to make a deep run. Well, all the moves they made to get O'Reilly, to get Achari, to get Lafferty, to get uh, Jake McCabe and like Lafferty to me was going to be a great player wherever he went because he was a physical guy, a nice bottom six. Toronto shored up areas they needed to. Maybe the only other area they maybe need to get is a goaltender because Ilya Samsonov, Matt Murray, do you trust them come the playoffs? I think that's the only weakness they have right now. But I like the addition of McCabe. I, and plus, you get Chicago to eat 50% over the next two years. Even better. Because Toronto now has them for three playoff runs potentially and helps their salary cap going forward. Boston makes moves to get Dmitry Orlov mm-hmm. and uh, Garnet Hathaway, two guys that are perfect Bruins. I mean, the way these guys played for Washington, you plug them in in Boston, great, great pickups. I mean, you know, Chicago picked up Nikita Zaitsev as well from Ottawa, but that's a cap move. Again, Ivan Barbashev goes to Vegas. We knew he was on the move. Again, a player the Devils looked at. Devils were looking at Max Domi of Chicago, too. A bunch of other teams are looking at him as well to fit in. Look, a lot of big names have gone already. The trade deadline's Friday. As I joked yesterday on Twitter, and I again said it today, I had to check my calendar to see if it wasn't March 3rd already with all the trades that went down. Nope, it's still only February. Is this one of the most active trade deadlines? Like pre-trade deadline, I guess. I, I This is the most active pre-trade deadline I've seen in a while. Usually you get one or two moves. Right. Maybe a more. Maybe you get the more moves maybe a day or two before the deadline. But to see this many moves happen so far in advance, it tells you that teams want to win and position themselves right now. I mean, you look at the Eastern Conference. The top six teams have all improved. Mm-hmm. Devils, Rangers, Boston. Carolina really hasn't done much. They have cap space to play with. They're probably going to look to add a player. But the Islanders have made moves. Toronto's made moves. Tampa made moves. It's a gauntlet in the Eastern Conference right now. Oh, it's, it's going to be insane. It really is. What Jim, about- is, there like, is there a team that's like kind of set themselves apart now? Like uh, went and acquired like that big name or – uh, is there a team that's like, hey, we win all in? I know you mentioned Toronto, 
but like they have not been that team obviously like they're just trying to get past the first round because they haven't done it in like 20 decades or whatever um like is there like 20 decades (laughs) (laughs) is there a team though that's pushed like has pushed themselves forward is it new jersey with the trade they made landa said boss boston made the the smart moves who who's that team that's now separated themselves at uh I would say Toronto in their matchup with Tampa. Look, Tampa's got big boys with Maroon and Perry. And you get, um, you know, now you add Tanner Janot. But what Toronto's done is you add a guy like O'Reilly. He's won a Stanley Cup. Achari, he's been to a Stanley Cup final. You get a Lafferty. You get a McCabe. Like, you've addressed areas. You're tougher to play against. And that's been what Kyle Dubas has said over the last couple of years, this team needs to be tougher to play against. We need to be harder to play against. The Maple Leafs have done that, and they've separated themselves because Kyle Dubas is well, he doesn't have a contract extension yet. However, if you look at the Metro, the Devils have separated themselves from the teams there because they identified they wanted a top-six scoring winger that was controllable. They identified since last year they wanted Timo Meyer. The players, the captain was involved in this. Nico Heeshier, according to Tom Fitzgerald, got in his ear and said, look, you're going to go get Meyer. He's a good player. We can use him. He's going to help the team. They identified their need. I know the Rangers made the move for Tarasenko. I know they're going to get Kane. But the way the Devils play, they have a they have a little bit of an edge to me, breaking the game down. And the Rangers do. Yeah, they have the sexy names. Yeah, they're going to have the firepower. But they play an east-west game. The Devils, their bottom six guys play a north-south physical game. And I'm still not sure on that goaltender the New York Rangers have because he's been shaky lately. Again, they still have to match up. But the Devils went out and got the big fish. Really a big shark because they needed it. Go ahead, Tanner. So one of the guys outside of Kane, Jacob Chikrin. 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 I knew I was going to botcher it. Uh, Jacob Chikrin from Arizona Coyotes uh, is looking to get out as well. He's he's probably the next one behind Patrick Kane on trying to you know be, be a big piece for a team. But the GM here is out here looking for what four assets in return, a first round, something else in the first round equal to like is this a move that's probably going to be be made? Or is Jacob kind of stuck in Arizona? If I'm Jacob Chikrin, I'm telling Bill Armstrong, whatever deal you get, make it. Because I've been sitting for close to two weeks now, seven games. This has to come to an end. Either he has to get back in the lineup or they have to trade him. And with all these other trades going on, Chikrin's going to be like, "What? what is going on? Like, I understand he's got years left on his deal. And Bill Armstrong can hold on to this guy. He doesn't have to trade him at this deadline. He doesn't even have to trade him in the summer. He can trade him whenever he wants. But I think the fact that he was held out of the lineup for trade-related reasons over two weeks ago on a Saturday night, L.A. is the team that Chikrin's been linked to. So is Boston, a couple other teams. The fact that the deal didn't get done and now he continues to sit, it's going to be a PA issue soon because – not only does it hurt the player, but it hurts the team acquiring the player because the player hasn't played. And a guy like Chikrin, who's injury prone, he comes in, he gets hurt. Now he's not there for the playoffs. And that I understand you want to protect the assets, but guys got to play. 
similar situation we're seeing in Columbus with Vladislav Gavrikov. He's yep. been out for trade-related reasons, close to seven games as well. It, at what point do these guys just have to go into the lineup and be like, okay, if they get pulled midway through a game, it's not unprecedented where it's happened. Matt Duchesne was pulled when Nashville was in New York. He got pulled off the ice because the trade happened. Hey, it happens when you play. So what? At least you're playing because then it helps the team you're going to. Luke Shen, a similar situation. But, again, Luke Shen in Vancouver, his wife's due, his wife's pregnant. You know, so that's a different situation. But he's been held out of lineup for trade-related reasons as well. Nick, do you have anything earlier? Uh, now you kind of answered, kind of asked my my question, Jim. Jim, uh, from the from the trade like uh, picks, how important are picks in hockey? Because like you see in the NFL, picks are pretty important, especially those first round, second round picks. You get into the third or fourth rounds, they still mean something. Uh, but like then you look at NBA, where like you know, we are seeing six first round, six second round picks go to a team. So it's like those picks don't mean shit to those, like to that. Is it like that in hockey or is it like in, 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 uh, in football where picks actually mean a little something more? So it depends on what you're doing, right? So New Jersey has been sellers recently. And if you look at San Jose, they're in a similar situation. You want to stockpile your draft picks because yeah, you may not use all of them, but you can use them in a trade to get better later on. And that's what New Jersey's done over the years to get John Marino or Jonas Thaler. They've moved picks. You can find guys anywhere in this draft. It all depends on how you develop them in your system. First-round picks, second-round picks are more important. Third-round picks are important, too. You know, New Jersey had a bunch. They've hit on a lot of their first-round picks. They've hit on a lot of later-round picks as well. The picks are important, but like I said, with Tampa, if you're in a team like them who is still in win-now mode, still in contention, as Breezewas said, their general manager, these guys are not going to see the lineup for a very long time, if ever, and they're never going to help this team. Hence why he trades 2025 draft picks because he believes at that time his team's going to be in contention still, and there's no reason to think they're not. Because all those guys are in their prime. And this team is loaded to continuously win. Now, if you're a team on the other end of the spectrum, like, like Chicago. Or something, yeah. Yeah, like the Blackhawks, you're going to want first-round picks. Because maybe you can trade one of those first-round picks to get a player to come in to accelerate your rebuild. Or draft players, especially in a draft like this that's coming up. A lot of high-skilled talent. You can help your rebuild even more. We're talking a lot about the Eastern Conference making trades, but we look here. Not much of the Western has uh, technically bought any assets to improve their teams. Does this cause issues for the Western to compete when it comes to, uh, you know, title time? Look, I agree. I think the, the whoever wins the Stanley Cup's coming out of the East. I think the, the favorites, the Boston Bruins. Obviously, Winnipeg, because Cole Perfetti is going to be out a while. They made a move to get Nito Niederreiter. Vegas improved with Ivan Barbashev. But other than that, the West really hasn't done much. We know Edmonton's looking for a defenseman. We know LA's looking for a defenseman. Dallas and Montreal traded yesterday. 
Dallas sent Dennis Giryanov to Montreal for Evgeny Dadnoff. Yep. Again, a small two guys that are struggling, change of scenery. But outside of that, you know, Colorado's made a depth move to get Jack Johnson back. They're still in the mix for a second line center. You look at the bottom of this Western Conference. Nashville's a seller. St. Louis is sold off assets. We're waiting for more assets to leave Vancouver. Arizona, San Jose, Chicago, and Anaheim are the teams to watch at the deadline. What players are going to get plucked from those teams to help contenders? Is it going to be in the West, or is it all going to be in the East? I know Jacob Chikrin has been linked to L.A., Edmonton, Gavrikov, Edmonton, Joel Edmondson, Edmonton. You know, So what's Vegas going to do? I feel like they have another move up their sleeve. Carolina, I feel like, is going to do something. They have cap space. Look, the East is a dogfight. Look, if you looked at the standings last year in the Eastern Conference, we already knew the eight teams. Yeah. This year, we know one matchup, and we know the Bruins and Carolina are going to probably finish 1-2 in a conference. Outside of that, we really don't know who the wild cards are. Everybody's bunched up. In the West, the same thing. The Central, the... You know, the Pacific is so tight. Teams we thought were going to be there are not there. Who would have picked Dallas and Winnipeg to be in this fight? Minnesota's right there. Colorado struggling with injuries. It's a great year because we just don't know who the teams are that are going to get in. And that's what makes it exciting. And that's what makes this deadline so exciting. General managers are now figuring out how to maneuver the cap right now. And I think... That's why we're all of a sudden seeing these blockbuster trades. One of the things people, one of the things I'm looking to look for is what other teams are going to be involved for salary retention, especially on the Kane deal. Three team team deals. We see it in the NBA all the time. I think finally they're coming into the NHL. Yeah, I think so on that because there's a couple of deals that involve the uh, 50% salary, right? Yeah, so. uh, Ryan, um, Minnesota picked up the tab on the Ryan O'Reilly deal, and they picked up uh, 25% on the Dmitry Orlov for going at Hathaway deal with Boston. So they have one more placeholder they can use. You know, let's see if Vancouver is going to do something. I've heard them or Montreal might be a team that's going to be involved in this Rangers trade uh, that could happen down the pike. So, you know, Arizona – is willing to retain some money, give him a draft pick. Yeah, you know, I, I still can't believe that the Flyers didn't want to send a pick to Arizona to take James Van Riemsdyk off their hand. Maybe they'll get more money, more picks for him, more assets, but he's a name that could potentially go at the deadline as well. Man, there's a lot of moves still to be made, and that's Friday is the trade deadline, correct? Yeah, Friday. I mean – we always say the deadline's Friday, Friday or whatever day at 3 p.m., but trades can trickle in after, you know, they can be announced four or five, as long as they're in central registry and the NHL office before 3 p.m., they will be counted. Gotcha. So we can see announcements still a couple of days after. I mean, not a couple of days after. I would say like a couple hours after. Oh, okay. I got you. Sometime on Friday. Is there a move yeah. out there that you could see happening that maybe you know you you're thinking that could you that nobody else is kind of seeing, but you're like, hey, I think this could this is a move that could be made. Yeah, I mean, to me, like if you look at Anaheim, for instance, there's a player there, Adam Henrique, right? The Islanders are still in the mix in the Eastern Conference. 
you know, battling without Matt Barzell. You know, we were wondering what the Islanders were going to do. Were they going to sell? Were they going to get players? Who knows? However, general manager Lou Lamorello knows that player really well. I'm not saying it's happened. I'm not even saying I've been told this is going to happen. But that would be a player to keep an eye on for the Islanders to go after because Lou knows that player helped to get the Devils to a deep playoff run in 2012. I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to make a run for Adam Henry. Take it. Man. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting next few days. I, yeah, I mean, like Eric Carlson. Yeah, I mean, look, Eric Carlson's name's still out there. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. Maybe a summertime move, a draft move. That's okay. But there's there's so many other names, depth players that are going to be moved. You know, look, there's been a lot of moves already. Um, I'm looking forward to see what else comes on. I think the Kane deal does happen tomorrow or Wednesday. Again, money has to be involved somewhere. And then... Will the Blackhawks eat some of his money? Yes, the Blackhawks will eat at least 50%. That's that's the most allowed under the CBA. So they'll eat 50%. You'll get another team to eat 25%. And the remaining 25%, the Rangers will have on their books. How much does Kane have left in the tank? Because he's been playing for like 15 years. I mean, I think he's still got another one or two good seasons left in him. I mean, after everybody doubted him, after everybody said, oh, he's injured, he went on a heater. Uh, I believe he had seven goals over 10 game span. He was lighting it up. Him and Max Domi have been on fire before Chicago held Kane out for trade-related reasons the other day. Uh, But he had been on fire. So, look. It's an end of an era in Chicago. Obviously, we don't. Jonathan Taze isn't going to get moved. He probably may, ne- may never play hockey again, considering the illness he's going through. Uh, all the best to him. But it's certainly an end of an era in Chicago. How do you feel about that, Nick? There's a lot of end of errors happening in Chicago. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not a Blackhawks fan. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, I, I just know from obviously following all other Chicago sports. But, yeah, I mean, t- I would think uh, Taze and Kane are up there as far as, you know, uh, Chicago sports royalty. I think, you know, they brought two two cups, Jim, or three cups to three cups to Chicago uh, in a much needed time. So, uh, you know, so, yeah. I think they're probably right up there in the uh, top ten or so Chicago Hall of Fame, right. like sports wise. I don't. I know. would. I would agree with that. I mean, look, the Blackhawks, Kane and Taves, since they're they're come up. I mean, they made the Western Conference Final two thousand nine, make a Stanley Cup Final, and win it the next year. Then they win it thirteen and fifteen. I mean, that was a modern day dynasty. Those Blackhawk teams before their new extensions kicked in. For ten point five million each, um, what the Chicago Blackhawks did during that time, you know, there was a time that United Center was not rocking for the be the Blackhawks. There was it before those two came along. Even when those guys were there, there were some lean years, and then they turned it around. So, it's it's going to be different in Chicago right now, like it's going to be different in Pittsburgh when Sidney Crosby and Malkin and all those guys decide to go away. And you're kind of seeing it right now because they're struggling. Yeah, they are. Uh, Mr. Johnny Cruz, the Yankee fan out here says, do the Lightning need to make another move? And will they resign, you know? 
So I think, yeah, you said it right. Uh, I think they'll probably make uh, another move, uh, most likely. You know, a lot of people think, you know, there's an arms race now between Tampa and Toronto, because there's two teams that are going to match each other in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Stanley Cup playoffs in the first round again. Uh, Do I think they're going to resign Janot? Absolutely. I think they're going to give him, I'd probably give him an eight-year contract around two, two point five million a year. That's what they're going to do. Um, yeah, I, I definitely see them because he's that type of player. It's funny. I was talking to a guy with the NHL yesterday. We we're just, you know, you know, talking about Janot and and how the Preds are open for business. And then uh, he's like, "Yeah, Tampa and Janot be a good fit." And I'm like. Yeah, it would be. And then a couple hours later, the trade happened. So we kind of we kind of willed that one into the existence. Oh, man. And then Johnny, I hear says, great show, fellas. Question mark. Yeah. Great. We'll find out at the end, man. We'll no, find out yeah. at the end. <laughs> you tell us, Johnny, if it's a great show or not. I think it's right. a great show. Hey, appreciate we appreciate it, Jim. Yeah. All right, Jim. I'll let you guys at it. Wrestling. Wrestling, baby. Let's oh do yeah, it. we were talking off air, uh, Jim. We were talking. Uh, we were talking about the elimination chamber. Uh, we both kind of said Sammy should have maybe won the title, and we're talking to WrestleMania. We both said that a uh, cut down Mania. It's going to be two nights still, unfortunately, this year. But hopefully next year it goes back to the one night. Yeah, I mean, look, elimination chamber, probably top five pay per view over the last five years. Any company, uh, condensed, perfect. It was an NXT show on the main roster. Triple H knows what he's doing creatively. I agree. WrestleMania needs to be one night. Quality over quantity. Obviously, we know Vince had a hand in the Omos Brock Lesnar match. Feels like it's Giant Gonzalez versus Undertaker in 1993. <laughs> it does. I, I just I have this feeling it's gonna be bad. And yeah, I mean, look, I'm excited. WrestleMania season. I wish. They pulled the trigger on Sammy. I understand why they didn't do it, but I wish they did it because, well, you're never going to have that type of moment ever again. No matter if Sammy beats him, when Roman doesn't have the titles, you're in his hometown, you're in Montreal, you can finally do something good in Montreal. Right, true back the, back <laughs> the Bret Hart moment in 97. Yeah. And they didn't do it. The finish was meh. Um, but look, Cody versus Roman at some, at WrestleMania is going to be good. I hope we get the Gunther, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre match for the IC belt. That'll be good. The bloodline versus Kevin Owens and Sammy, how we get there is going to be really good. I think that's the, yeah, that's going to be the most intriguing way. And I've read that that's going to headline WrestleMania night one, which I totally, to me, that's the best storyline in all of wrestling is the, the Sami Zayn bloodline, uh, all that, uh, you know, I, I'm all in, uh, sign me up for everything that they're doing along with adding KO and this mystery. We all know KO eventually will join. Uh, but I, and I do to me like some of the I, I'm a sucker for the the uh, I don't know the whatever you want to call it the hot sheets or whatever things like that I'm a sucker because I want to read it but at the same time I miss being that kid where I didn't know kind of like the hot sheets and the hot reads and where I was I was generally surprised about everything. Do you get that too? Oh, I wish I could go back in the Attitude Era. I know the stuff existed then, but we didn't have the means to get it. Right, and you were just watching wrestling to see what happened the next week, and you were surprised. You're like, "What? 
Like I miss those moments. I miss. Those I try things. not. I try not to read them as much, um, as I used to. Uh, but obviously, to stay on top of everything, you need to. Um, but I try not to read things, especially heading into pay per views. I want to see how things develop, especially WrestleMania. Obviously, we know what the card is, um, but. I want to see how we get to this card. Without- I, I want to see how the uh, Cena Austin Theory thing plays out. I, I'm kind of intrigued. I'm a little intrigued on how that plays out with Cena and Theory. Uh, I'm okay with that. As the you know, people get mad at these part timers, you know, but I I'm okay with that. Uh, if 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 Theory goes over Cena, you know what I mean. And I they, think Theory has to go over Cena, right? Like he has to go over. I think. I would like to see finally we talked a little bit about the edge and and Finn Balor. I'm just tired of this that 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 storyline's gone too long for me. Uh, I thought the blow I thought I thought that <laughs> yes. blow I thought they had the blow off at elimination chamber. No, we're going to have another match. Yeah. Fine, hell in the cell. End it. Okay, great. Seth I think Rollins Finn's got to go over. I think Finn needs to go over. I think Finn should go over. Um you got Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul. I mean, I don't, again, I don't like the storyline, but I think I'll like the match. I think, I, I think I, the match Logan, will be great because Logan, Logan Paul can an go. Yeah, Logan, he can. yeah, he can go. And so Seth Rollins is one of the best wrestlers in all the world. Yeah, exactly. So, look, do I like the Paul brothers? No, uh, but Logan Paul is an athlete and he's fit in perfectly here. He's gonna, it's gonna be a great match. We saw what he did at the Royal Rumble. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how we get to this stuff. Um, we got Bray Wyatt's going to have a match. I'm not interested in that match. Bray Wyatt, Bobby Lashley, or any of the, I'm out. I, I used to love Bray Wyatt. This new, I haven't, I can't get back into it. No, I can't get into it either. Get LA Knight on the card somehow. A lot of yeah, guys, I, apparently, I was reading one thing. A lot of guys, wrestlers are mad for all these celebrities and part times coming in because it takes away spots on the card. Again, Triple H goes back to what WrestleMania used to be about, earning your spot on the card and not everybody's on the card. Then yeah. you're going to see a lot more better quality matches leading into WrestleMania. But they also got to know celebrities and these part-timers, that's been a part of WrestleMania since WrestleMania 1. You know exactly. I mean? Like that's 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 part of the spectacle that is WrestleMania is getting these that that's how outsiders right and not into the wrestling they view they that's been happening since WrestleMania one. So I I don't I I don't like the bitching about the uh. The, well, I think it's so many part timers and so many. It's like okay, you can have a celebrity here, celebrity there. But yeah, it yeah, feels multiple. like it's it's like it feels like it's always up and down the lineup. Did they? Do you think they went? To, I obviously they went to two nights because it's it is a lot of money. But do you think they got that from uh, New Japan Wrestling? Because Kingdom Wrestling or that's like two night spectacle. It uh, is. They also did it because of the pandemic. Because you can yeah, you give people something to watch when you were at home. Um, two night WrestleMania. But now I feel like you just can go back to one night. Yeah, I, I agree. I like the one night. I don't need two nights of. And the, the no. fact that it's three hours long, four hours long, uh, both that should nights. Just be a, should just be it, WrestleMania. It should be four hours. Just, Start at seven, <laughs> over at 11, you're done. Yeah. All right, if you're going to do it, just hey, just make it 24 hours of wrestling on one day, no, right? Like, no, <laughs> I'm good. No. Bro, no. 
I wasted I wasted seven hours WrestleMania 35 with the pre-show. The thing was over at 12 midnight Eastern. Oh yeah, I remember. I, yeah, I put that on at five o'clock for the pre-show. Oh my! It was boring as <laughs> hell. They announced who was hosting yet? No, no. Okay. It's in have... LA. I know. think the Miz. I bet it's the Miz. I hope it's the Miz. I think it's gonna be. I think it's the Miz. I mean, he got some envelopes, so yeah. I don't know. When is WrestleMania, by the way? Uh, April. Yeah, April. early April. Yeah. Oh, I'll probably be gone. Yeah. Two night, two night event. Of course. Always a two night event. All right, Jim. I know. And you were right. The Miz is what? hosting WrestleMania. It is Miz. Yeah. Uh, I told you. That'll be interesting. I didn't even yeah. read the. I could just read it in the. I knew picking up last week. I said, "Oh, the shit. The Miz is gonna fucking host WrestleMania. Absolutely. He ain't got a spot on the card. He, he's Mister Hollywood." And I said, "It fits. It fits." What? Before you get out of here, Jim, would you have liked to seen The Rock and Reigns? That was uh, alluded to at one point. And, I would. I would have loved to have seen it, not for the title. Yeah. Same. Same. Look, they would have done it for the title. Yeah, yeah, probably so. The leader of the bloodline. Uh, Here's my problem. Here's my problem with this. If this was really planned a year in advance, you couldn't have told The Rock last year. Hey, by the way, circle this date in April. Yeah. And he says he's not in shape, motherfucker. I see you working in the gym every damn Instagram. Uh, don't tell me. Don't give me that shit. You ain't in shape. I mean, shape. he's what? in shape, but he's not in ring shape. That's ring shape. I don't care, Jim. He's He's got cardio. He's in shape. He just. Uh, the problem is, is, look, the last time The Rock has wrestled, he got injured both times. True that. He's going to have to go Undertaker and be like, all right, you want me in April? I got to start being in the ring by like September. Yeah. Yeah, and no, he's got to do a couple of matches too. He just can't go in cold at WrestleMania. He'd have to show up and do like something some along the way. Something yeah, yeah. I kind of, I, I kind of agree with that. Let me last question here before we get chatted. If I was to give you the pin to to end the Roman Reigns bloodline, Sami Zayn, you can even start it at Elimination Chamber. I'll give you that. Uh, caveat: and How would you? How would Jim Berenger tear down the Roman Reigns Empire the, of the Bloodline? Finish this. This has been the best storyline the WWE has had since I, I don't know when. Since maybe Daniel Bryan, the Yes Movement is probably probably Daniel Bryan and the best long-term storytelling since the Mega Powers collided. That WrestleMania, what's that? WrestleMania three or four, five, five, yeah. So. This is how I would have done it. And I've talked to this, talked to about this. Sammy would have won the universal title at Elimination Chamber. You see everything starting to crumble around Roman as he's desperately trying to hold on to this last title. And Cody's going to take it from him at WrestleMania. There's little things along the way. Reigns is trying to get out of everything just to hold on to this last piece of his kingdom as the titles and this bloodline start to go everywhere because he knows if he's the champ, he can hold, he, he controls everything. 
But with Cody, now Sammy's got a title. We don't know what Jay's doing. What happens to the tag team belts? Like, things are starting to crumble. How does Roman keep it all together? Hmm. I like it. I like right? it. I think it'd be cool if Jay would have cost Roman, like when he got in the ring and then Sammy like rolled him up on just a quick one, two, three, uh, win the title that way. That would have been cool. And then absolutely, maybe you could have had Jay, and and then you could have really had Jay and uh, Roman go at it again. Which you know, I, I think they're gonna get back to that somewhere along the way. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, I appreciate it, Jim. Thank you. Hey, Tanner, Nick, thanks for always having me on. We're gonna recap a lot of stuff that happened last week too, for next always. week. Definitely, it's gonna be a big Monday show after it's this trade deadline's done. So big time, big time. As we recapped a lot tonight too. That's true. Yeah, there was a bunch that happened this weekend. So, yeah, Jim, a lot of stuff. You. Yes, go check out him, his stuff there on Full Press Hockey and FullPressWrestling.com. So, it's good stuff. Boys, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Thanks, See you, Jim. brother. We'll talk next See week. You, Jim. Later, boys. See you. Jim Berenger, everybody. Great guy. Now, while we wait for uh, Mr. Jonathan to get done with his practice, you know. We're, we're covering the NL West, right? I did my homework. NL West. Right. NL West preview coming into play. We'll talk a little about the rule changes as that's been going on during spring training with Jonathan uh, as soon as he is done with practice. So, Nick. What up? We got conference tournaments starting Saturday. Can you believe that? We're already here entering March Madness into play. Is there a team that you like? The who, who's your favorite? I just want to be curious. Who's your favorite in the NCAA world right now? Like who I think is going to win it all? Yeah, man, I was high on Purdue for a little while, um, but they man, they I think people have kind of figured them out. Um, I, I just because I liked Zach Eady. I'm a big post. I'm a big just because that's the position I played. So I love post players in general, and he was just you know. Uh, man, I, I don't know. I think Tennessee's pretty nasty. I think they can cause some, uh, some trouble. I think Alabama's off the court troubles is going to catch up to them, uh, eventually. You think so? Um, I, I do like your Kansas. I think Kansas can make a nice deep run. I think so too. I'm just worried that we're going to get stuck in a situation where we have to shoot a bunch and then we get ice cold. Yeah, and that that's legit. My biggest concern for this KU team is we've seen it middle of the season here in the Big Twelve play, where we had to shoot, and it did not go well for us at all. It ended up on a four game losing streak, I believe. So watch out, see the rankings here. I'm, I'm kind of high on UCLA too. UCLA's got them same guys that that they made that that run with a couple years ago. Yep. Uh, a lot of those guys are still there. So watch out for UCLA. My 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 uh, three big ones is because UCLA did prove it kind of last uh, on Sunday with that victory or yesterday, I guess, with that victory over Colorado coming behind and then staying with it there. Um, I like honestly, I like Tennessee. I like Marquette. Shaka's got that team rolling over there, Marquette. How come Shaka uh, does so good at like small, small schools? schools. I, I don't know. Texas and didn't go, do shit. Less limelight, yeah. less pressure. Maybe he doesn't have the boosters breathing down his freaking neck all day. Yeah. You know, whatever it may be. I like KU. 
Um, but I, I, even though Tennessee is down there at 12, I like Tennessee just for the fact that they've got some big guys down there. I like Kansas State too. Watch out for Kansas State. I think they're, I like these veteran teams that I think guys that have been I think it's similar to like Purdue with K State right now, where they've shown their hand and you can see the way to beat them. You can see that they're not, they're not as great as they look to be for so long in the season. You know, they had that big loss against KU uh, after that one point win uh, previous matchup. And you saw them kind of beat, get beat a few times like that. Uh, and it's, th- there's some, there's definitely some weaknesses. They will make a push. I'm not saying K State is not going to be this team that doesn't push. They're going to make a push. There will be a threat to a lot of high seeded teams, but I don't know necessarily in the, in the favorites. It depends on how, where they're seated at, though. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing is, uh, 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 you know, that's the thing is if you're where you go and where you're seated at. Also, watch, watch out for Miami and Indiana and two, uh, two team, two more teams that veteran related teams, guys that have been around a while. A while. Uh, Gonzaga just beat St. Mary's, uh, this past weekend. So, you know, Gonzaga, <laughs> you know, Mr. Temay is still out there. I mean, eight, I feel like he's been playing college basketball for 40 years, but. Uh, it does feel like it does. You know? Between him and uh, uh, what's it's the mustache, you know, it's like feel like they just got the same player over and over and over. Yeah, again. they always got a good white white guy that's uh, you know, can hello and can shoot. Yep, and yep. Drew you know? Timmy. Uh, yeah. so. I, I like Miami uh, for sure, even though they had a dumb loss against on Saturday against Florida State on the last. Yeah, such a dumb loss. They shouldn't lose those games. Uh, kind of it'll maybe cost them a, a three right there. Uh, Texas A&M is another team I like going, you know, possibly upsetting a few people. They beat, they beat Tennessee this year. They beat Kentucky, uh, but they lose these dumb games like Mississippi State happened here this past uh, two, or I guess, what was that, Saturday? I want to say it was. Uh, so it, it was it was just it's just dumb losses, but they, they are a threat. They can play down low. When they're hot, they, they can definitely be a threat. Um, I like Texas A&M as being a potential upset kind of team, so. Uh, real quick, well, before Jonathan chops on here, we got Johnny asks us, are we, you a fan of the one and done? Yes. I, I don't really well, know. No, I'm not. I want the I want the skip college and go to the NBA. I don't want people, those scouting guys going to the teams for one year. So you think either NBA – so let me ask you this. If they go to the NBA – is it how long should they stay in college for then? I think it should be like the football rules. It's like two years, I believe, for football. You got to be out of high school for three years, I think. Three years, uh, okay. Yeah. So, so I, I'm not saying three. I'll, I'll say two. I'll say you have to be in college for two years before you can leave NBA, or you go straight to the NBA or the G League or Europe or whatever the heck you want to go. I don't believe in the one and done rule. I think it's so that you know what's crazy is it's. It, I don't really like the one and done rule. I get why kids go to come to college, go straight to the NBA. It's all about money. Now it's a little different, I think, with NIL deals. Yeah. Uh, I think where we could hopefully see some of these guys stay. Uh, well, we've already it, seen it. We've already seen young guys, you know, end up staying for a couple of years. Alabama but, had a couple of kids do that. But but the problem is the problem is uh, so. They go the when they get to the NBA, they're get the teams are drafting them and they're trading them because they're 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 not willing to wait the three four years 
that to watch this kid develop. I mean, look at Julius Randle. He was drafted by the Lakers. You tell me the Lakers don't wish they had Julius Randle right now, but they drafted him. He was a one and done. Drafted him. They, they didn't have. They didn't wait to develop him. Look at uh, Weissman. Right, drafted him. The Warriors drafted him. One and done. He's had a lot of injury problems. They didn't wait to develop him. You know what I mean? What if he would have stayed in college? What if these guys would have stayed in college and then come fully developed, ready to play in the NBA, I think is big. There's only one or two kids that really come at one and done and are really prepared to play NBA basketball. Remember, these are grown-ass men playing NBA basketball, and these are still 19-year-old kids playing NBA basketball. It's two totally different things. I like to see him play like kind of like you said, two to years at a minimum, build up a team and imagine a team that could had some guys that recruited Duke back in the day, Kentucky. Kentucky. They yeah. could be powerhouses every two years. Yeah. Uh Kentucky. So I I think it needs to be two years. It's just because teams are drafting these kids and then they're shipping them after two to three years because they're not getting developed. Well, they ain't taking the time to develop because they ain't tight. They ain't got the time to develop them. Their bodies ain't even fully developed. <laughs> so then they're putting them in the G League, and then they're labeled bust, and they're labeled this. All when really start in the in the NBA, huh? And it's just a confidence issue. Yeah, the let them come in fully developed and ready to play in the NBA. That's why rookies in the NFL hit the ground running a lot of times. Because why? Because they're fully developed. They're ready to play. NBA is a little different. It's a kid. They're they're still young kids playing in grown ass man's league. And it's not also. It's not like you know twelve on twelve or whatever. It's yeah, yeah, yeah five on five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's few of them that have come in, but I mean, for the most part, even straight out of high school, there's not a whole lot of kids. I mean, you're you're talking talent level, like you know, Joel Embiid would have started right out of the bat if he didn't get hurt. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, for instance. Even Andrew Wiggins, look at Andrew Wiggins. How long did it take him to develop into somebody that we all kept saying, you know what I mean? We all kept saying. They called him the next LeBron, which I think was an overstatement. But it it took him a lot of time, and it took him to go finally go to the right situation. Yeah, which which is a lot of players, though, for him. Yes. You know, a lot of NBA players can say that in the end. So, all right. Not to be the one and done. Exactly. No one and done. Then they have to pay them after four years. Yeah, that's true. So, all right, let's do it, guys. We got lots to talk about here with the man, Jonathan Gershman. Jonathan, what's up, dude? How's it going, guys? Good, what's up, hey, Jonathan? How's hey. all those bombs doing? How are the girls? I mean, they, they feel okay? Did you get tested hey, today? They, they're, they're on cloud nine right now. Those girls, all the hormones we hit this weekend with those girls in high school right now, they're, they're doing really well. I'm, I'm very proud. Uh, of what they did uh, and what they're continuing to do so far. I, I mean, I, I, that's that's the, what the, that's the hard work they put in for it. Yeah, did the leak have to come in, test them for today? <laughs> sure you not, right? actually, one of my girls did get drug tested. I, I, no. I also did. Hey, what did you feed them? This uh, special, uh, you know, smoothie or before the game or, you know – Hey, you gotta get some swamp water in them. Get some Louisiana <laughs> swamp water. Out, you know? Get it shipped out here from New Orleans for them. Uh, no, nah, I mean, hey, it's just it's just hard work. That's the that's the that's the key about it. We teach them and we we work with them and they 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 buy into it and you know it's it's what the it's how what they achieve is it's what they achieve for it. So I mean, I'm just proud. I'm proud as as can be that uh, what all my girls 
uh, and not just the three that hit home runs, but you know the other girls who've been competing this weekend. It's it's amazing to see. As you should be. And that's uh, that was some cool stuff to, that I ended up looking, you know, seeing the all the pictures, and I was like, that's what I'm talking about, hitting those bombs. That's what oh I like. yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, man. We'll uh, we'll start talking here a little baseball then, getting into play. So before we do the breakdown, it usually takes just a little longer. Let's go over these, you know, some of these rules here. And I know you have some thoughts. I have some thoughts. I'm sure Bakken's always have some thoughts. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> Jonathan, what do you think here? Let's start. Start with the bigger bases. The any, bigger bases. Turn on that. The, uh, the man, that's fine. Let's turn on that. The bigger bases. I, I, I don't think they're going to play as much of a factor as what some may think. Uh, you know, again, you're adding a couple of inches to both bases. It does shorten the base length a little bit. It does, you know, provide a, a little bit more. And the aspect of safety, okay, I get it, buy into it, sure, whatever. Uh, you know, their, their, their thought is, well, they're going to entice runners to steal bases a little bit more. I mean, it's still, I mean, these guys are, these catchers are throwing 1-8 pop times, 1-8-5, 1-8-9, 1-9-0. I mean, that's, 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 that's top level. So, I mean, again, it, it, you're, you're splitting hairs on stolen bases, saying that's going to increase or going to entice guys to steal bases. I mean, the, the, the thought process is still, well, stealing bases is not mathematically what we want if you're talking about the analytics side. So you're you're telling you're telling you know teams, hey, you know, analytics means so much, and then you're gonna go, all right, we're gonna increase the bases to try to get y'all to do the opposite of what your analytics say. So I, I don't the the bigger bases, I, I kind of feel like it's a little bit overreach to say that this is gonna be a, a big factor and change some of the thought process. Uh, in how we do things, we're not going to see Ricky Henderson stolen base numbers ever again. Well, Ricky's so, got that for life. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that, that is what we won't. Lou Brock, we won't see those numbers anymore either. I mean, you're you're we'll be we'll see about forty stolen base guy. I probably well, there's some there's some guys who who get on who, they're going to get on base more because of the shift change, the, the shift being gone. So they'll get on base. You may have more opportunities to steal because of that, but. I mean, you know, it's not going to really get guys to be like, oh, I need to steal bases more now. They're they're still being told stolen bases are good, but they're not what we're really focusing on. That's fair. I think I just I think it's more of a player safety issue. Less rolled ankles, keep your guys on the field, keep your product on the field. So that's that's all I think about the bigger bases. And I get it. Like I said, I mean that aspect of. But I get it. But at the same time, is how many how many serious collisions have we really had where guys are just as far as collision wise? And I get rolling the ankle, but they're going to roll their ankle on the big bases too. I mean, if you land wrong yeah. on the bag, no matter what, it's not going to save. It's not going to like push. It's not a cushion bag to where it'll prevent rolled ankles. You know, so no. they did it to try to prevent the the collisions that take place. But we yeah. don't see, we don't really see many like serious injuries anymore collisions. We've, we've gotten rid of the Buster Posey rule at home plate. I'm for that. I get it. Uh, you know, we don't really want to see guys get tackled at home plate and, and they're out for, you know, the separate, a broken leg like Posey, separated shoulders or anything like that. I, I can understand that one. But as far as the bases itself, we don't see a lot of the collisions that are like, oh, my God, what a serious collision. Wait, He's going to be out for the year. Or, we're not or going right at the guy anymore, you know. Like they're, they've stopped in that. You know, like they've stopped that, like well, to where that's illegal. You know, like we used to see guys go straight out of the line and like, hey, I'm going to take out the shortstop, you know, no matter what. And so you don't even see that because they ruled that out. So, you know, I, I kind of agree with you on that part. 
Yeah, I mean, we don't see Albert Bell like shoulder blocking the second baseman anymore either. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I said I, I think it was an overreach with the bases. Uh, again, they they try to sell the fans. Oh, this is going to increase. This is going to increase stolen bases. But it's it's I, I don't see it that way. It was a player safety call. Sure, I'm for it. But how much of a fat difference is? Are, I, I'm curious to see the differences from this for this year compared to the previous year, the last couple of years. So what the the the, the, the number of collisions that occur because of extra bigger bases now. Right, and it could be you know I mean obviously the game's obviously a little faster too with you know just the the way the training is today. Pitchers coming over and having to cover, and, you know first baseman's running back over. It gives them a little bit I think space that there's not as much of a concern of bumping into each other, you know? Yeah, but that's never been an issue until well, all of a sudden. Yeah, it's been all of a sudden kind of deal. We practice PFPs all the time in college and pro ball, spring training. We spend, you know, days and weeks on PFPs. We do it, you know, it's we can we can walk, we can sleepwalk a PFP, uh, pitcher fielding practice, and, you know, pitchers just knowing the route they're supposed to take and, and, and avoid contact, hit the back, peel off. And you don't get run into the base runners are not seeking to get I mean, the base runners are not seeking to run into somebody. Correct. So that they're not trying to. This is not. They know it's not football. We're not. We're not trying to you know tackle anybody. So like doing it right prevents a collision. Correct. So I mean, I, I, I say, I, how how much of a difference is the numbers going to be for collisions wise? I, that's what I'm curious to see when this is all said and done. Yeah, it'll be kind of curious after this year. Uh, I guess next up here, um, we've already talked about the shift in a way on previous episodes. You know, we're, I think we're we're kind of okay for it. What what I'm kind of hoping for is a after this year they make some kind of adjustment. However, it is the way they're allowed to be a little bit more strategical in their coverage on defense. But I, I'm okay with it this year to see what happens on no you know no major adjustments i I do want to go back on something jonathan mentioned like the analytics uh you know the analytics are telling guys not to steal and then they make the bases hopefully to steal and really the shift too right like they're changing it it's funny like baseball went so far into the analytics on one way and now they're trying to bring it back to the 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 pen on back to the other way because like everybody dived into the analytics we're seeing a, a freaking blake snell in the world series pitch his ass off and because he went two times through the order. Oh, we got to take him out. Like, what the hell are you doing? No. Like, you went too far, and now it's like, oh, now we got to change the game back to the old way and go back to the way, you know, with no shifts, no, like, let's do all this shit because, you know what, we realized people weren't really watching the game, and we thought really how dumb it was. Like, we got to find a happy medium in between this, both. This, this is the exact example that baseball has no idea what the hell they're doing. To save their game. That's because that's because uh, Manfred hates baseball. Well, so the shift wise, this is <laughs> the, the the shift banning the shift. You have now rewarded those who kept on hitting into it. Like you're rewarding, you're rewarding these guys. By, like you know what? We know you can't. We know you you don't want to hit to the opposite side of the field, and you don't like that. There's three infielders over there, so we're gonna ban it. And we're going to let you just do what you're supposed to do. So again, Joey Gallo, instead of batting 190, he'll bat 250, 260. You know, and he'll be an all star. And, you know, it's just going to be like, what in the world? Um, Baseball is the only sport, right? Like, 
if in basketball, if you know a player can't shoot a damn three pointer, what are you going to do? You back away until you prove till he proves he can shoot it, right? You take okay. away if you know he can't go left, you make his ass go left. You stop you him from going right. You better say you mean the NBA won't ban the three a two three zone, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they brought okay. they brought a little right. bit of a zone, yeah, and that's the thing. Like I, I, I it's. They're tr- they, they're so confused. They'll be so confused on, like I said, you, you, they went one way saying analytics is the key, and now they're trying to be like, well, hey, maybe we can shy away from analytics a little bit. But at the same time, you're rewarding the analytic hitters yes. by banning the shift and saying, hey, you have a wide open lane now. You can't move a, a second baseman or third baseman all the way to shallow left to shallow right field, and and you're going to hit a line drive there, and you're going to be out. So you're you're rewarding those guys who can't hit. To, or you know, not necessarily again. Those are all er, every major leaguer, and I cannot. And nobody can argue this with me. And I've and I've had arguments with this. No major leaguer cannot hit opposite field. Correct. Every single one of those guys who gets who gets paid to swing a bat in a, in a in a major league game can control where they hit the ball to. They can. You know, Joey Gallo, if he, he can go opposite field, if he really really wanted to, he can. He and he actually came out and said. Rangers don't want me to. They don't want me to pull oppo. They want me to pull the ball 450 feet into the uh, into the stadium. That's what they want me to do. And if I and because I remember he uh, there was one year in spring training he actually said I'm working on using the whole field. At the end of spring training they said they, he came and said well they don't they actually told me hey go back to your old swing. So every major leaguer can go opposite field, but they're being told by the analytics. That's not what you're getting paid to do. You're getting paid to pull the ball into the stands, and if they if it, if you get out because of it, or you strike out because of it, you're you're still going to get paid two hundred million dollars. Don't worry. They'll Just take don't you, worry about. They'll it. take you bat so, point one ninety. Yeah, thirty home runs. You, you bat one ninety. You hit thirty home runs. We'll pay you a, a, a one hundred fifty million dollars. Don't worry about it. You're, you're your deal. So, <laughs> so I mean, it, it, it. You cannot convince me that these guys could not go opposite field when the shifts was there. But now you ban the shift. It just says, "Hey, now you have a now you have the lane that you were hoping for, and now you're going to bat better. And we're going to get a little bit more offense from out of you. That's that's maybe was hindering your game, you know, for the last five six years. And it's it's wrong. I think it's wrong that you know that you're taking the strategy out. You know, it's and that's what's supposed to be. Baseball is a game of strategy, no matter how you look at it. That's and what moved it. And that's what I'm saying. It's like that's the only sport that's regulating." somebody that like oh we know you can't do this we're going to make sure that you can't you you can do it now yeah. like th- that's what I, like what if I, I was guarding ben simmons at nba he can't shoot a lick what do they do they let him they back off of him force him to shoot it he still whether he does or doesn't like they got you got to work on your game man that's part of being a professional right if you Absolutely. can't go oppo learn to go fucking oppo but, like, see, him, that, but nick that's what jonathan was saying is that yeah, they that's what I, i'm oppo, agreeing yeah but but your nerds out there are telling the coaches saying, don't let him go. Don't well, look, him at Fred, look at Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman's a 300 hitter, and he does go opposite. When they shift him, he will go oppo. Oh, he bats 300. And he still hits 30 home runs. Yeah. Like, you can't tell me those guys. And I've seen, I've seen some of, you know, some of those guys who, you know, that, that work their way up. They, they do hit opposite field. Like, They're they supposed to be the best at what you do. And, and they are. And I started saying, they, they are the best. At what they do, but the people in the offices and that, that crunch the numbers tell them you don't want to do that. They're telling them you don't want to do that. 
So they're saying, hey, go just if you strike out 100, if you strike out 200 times and you bat 190, bat below the Mendoza line, but you hit 35 home runs, you'll still get paid $200 million. Don't worry about it. Baseball's broken, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's, it's it broken. is. All right, let's talk about it. Pitch clock. What's your thoughts? What's your thoughts? So the pitch clock, this is, I've had, and I've actually had conversations with a couple of umpires about this. I asked, I was like, what do umpires think about this? And, and one, uh, in the aspect of, you know, I've been told umpires like it, and umpires don't like it because of being able to be the one to call. He, and one of, when he said that, you know, one umpire just, he refused the pitch clock actually, you know, just said, hey, let's just go. He, you know, it, it was a decision. It's not my view about the pitch clock. They saw, a year where they had no fans. They had they had no fans in 2020. COVID, you know, so the stadium revenue was gone. They did not get the TV ratings they were hoping for. Everybody else, all the sport, NFL, TV ratings were higher because they had to be higher. You couldn't go to the games. NBA, TV ratings were higher. You couldn't go to the games. You had to sit and watch the game. Major League Baseball did not get the TV rating boost they were hoping to get in 2020. So they said, well, how do we get the fans to sit and watch? We make the game shorter, two and a half hours. Well, but here's the thought process, too, and I, and I had a conversation with my dad about this. If you go to a ball game, if you go to the stadium, and you're there for three hours and ten minutes, you're buying food, you're buying drinks, you're buying souvenirs, you're buying a lot of stuff. You, you know, If you're with your family, you're probably spending $200-plus on stuff at the stadium, stadium, you know, stadium revenue. If you're there for two and a half hours, you're probably not buying as much food. You're probably not buying as many drinks because you realize, oh, in two and a half hours, if I'm drinking four beers, I'm I'm gonna I can't drive at that point, and not to be able to drive out of the you know legally out of the stadium. So I can't I can't drink as much. I can't really eat as much. Oh, by the way, two and a half hours. If the game starts at six thirty, seven o'clock, I can go next door and go to the go get uh, dinner at that. Uh, go get dinner still and be able to be with my family there. So we can go watch the game and then go eat dinner. We're not eating food at the stadium. So you're losing revenue money at the stadium, but they don't care about that. They want the TV ratings. Well, that's they, what makes the money. They want that's where the especially the TV range, the TV revenue that's about to shoot up here pretty soon after this season. But they knew they didn't get the ratings they were hoping for when nobody could be in the stadium. So they they went ahead and said, "We're not worried about this." The, the diehard season ticket holders who are going to who are spending money in the stadium, we're not worried about the diehard fans who love watching a game or listening to a game on the radio. I still do. I listen to the game on the radio. I love listening to the game on the radio, and I will listen to a ball game. I'll listen to 15, extra, uh, 15 innings on a on the radio if I, if I had the option to do so. I love listening to the game on the radio. They don't care about the fans who, who will, will sit for three hours and listen to the game for three hours. They want the fans that will sit for two and a half hours to try to get their attention to be able to watch, to prevent them from watching Netflix. Yeah, They didn't do that in COVID year. So they are willing to lose money in the stadium. They're willing to lose the revenue that they may get because it's revenue from the stadium. But the big money is the TV contracts. So they're shorting the game for the aspect of that. Well, guess what? Here's my issue on the pitch clock uh, aspect of it. You had a brave two, two issues I had with the Braves-Red Sox game on the uh, beginning of the spring training. That young kid in the ninth inning had the bases loaded situation. Cal Conley, he is fight, he's a minor leaguer for the Braves. Bases loaded, tie ball game in the ninth inning. What if that young kid gets a, a, a base hit to score the winning run? What if he gets so – he's now on the coach's radar. Maybe he gets another look and we can get him another look later on and say, hey, maybe he might do something to win a job on the big league club. You just took that job away from him by taking that bat away. Because now it goes in this book as a strikeout. 
You just cost that young kid an opportunity to make a name for himself in front of his coaches on the big league level to potentially earn a job at some point. Shame on that aspect of it. Because if he gets a base hit in that aspect, again, he could strike out. And if he gets out, well, okay, so what? But you let him bat and make it, let the determination happen from there. If he gets a base hit, Braves win that spring training game because if he's at bat, he may get a job in the, in the big leagues. You just cost him that opportunity to do so. You just cost him that job. Pitchers are doing the same thing. You have pitchers who are getting uh, balls awarded to them or uh, in other aspects. And I get Manny Machado had a strike called on him, but it's Manny Machado. He's, got, he's making $350 million, $400 million, whatever. Cal Conley is not making $400 million for the Braves. And you're just taking that bat away from him to potentially earn a job in the big leagues at some point this year. That's number one on that. Uh, number quick, two. Uh, real quick. I got yes. the – I can share it, right? I got the uh, video that shows this. that will help kind of explain the point, too. Yeah. See here. There we go. Yeah, I mean, this – you can see here. Bases loaded. Uh, Man, nobody knew. I mean, again, nobody, nobody really knew what was going on either. I guess it was the first game that this was going to put it happen, but you took that at bat away from that kid who's trying to earn a job in the big league level. That's wrong. That's oh, absolutely wrong to do so. But this is where the um, I mean, it's the same thing on the NFL side when they do the preseason. This is where the umpires set their tone for the season. They make sure that it's overly aggressive. Just like all the preseason games are in the NFL, that this is the standard, this is what we're looking for, or else this is going to happen. And unfortunately, it happened to a kid trying to make a roster spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? and and that, that's that's what's wrong with this. That's what's wrong with this. And again, it, the other side of it too is this: it takes more than eight seconds to process what your at bat is pitch by pitch. You have to think about each pitch that you're going to see. It's not you're not going to see. Here's oh you know, oh fastball oh oh fastball oh two changeup oh one change. Like you're not. It's not for sure. You need time to think about it. You can't have more than eight seconds to, to step out, process the pitch, process the at bat, know what you're trying to do, and get back in the, in the box and do it. Eight seconds is not enough. You got to. I mean, again, I get it. everybody's like, well, if he's just filling those batting gloves and doing this and kicking, kick, you know, kicking dirt and hitting his uh, cleat with his bat, that's part of the that that that's a small blip of what takes place outside the batter's box. That's a small blip. And if people who are creatures of habit, I was no different. I stepped out of the box. I take a look at the field. I take a practice swing. I hit my cleat. I step in the box. I tap the plate, and I go and I go back at it. It was more than eight seconds every time. I could not play in this era with this. I couldn't because I would be called strike. I would never see a pitch. I would never see a pitch. I'd be struck out on three straight calls because the umpire would call me out. Because, again, you need more time to process what you're trying to do. I was very I was very psychological thinking about each pitch. And, and before the at-bat and then in the middle of the at-bat. And then when I got in the box, the thinking went away because I was already prepared now. Yeah. I think there's adjustments that need to be made, obviously. Yes. I think it's the right idea on shortening the game. The, the people you're going after for viewership is your younger generation that can't concentrate two seconds on one thing. So, like, that way to save your game, unfortunately, has to go this way, but make some adjustments. Maybe, you know, obviously, I think in season, they'll be a little more lenient on stuff. But at the same time, I, it is the right direction to shorten these four-hour games, but also make it, you know, 
you have to have some kind of happy medium there. Tanner, how many games go actually four hours? Besides the Yan- take the Yankees Red Sox game out of the factor. How many games actually go four hours? I went to a Brewers. I went to a the Brewers. I I went to five five games that week. Three of them went for three and a half hours. And that's, I love it. I love it. Like I love it. I love it. That's you, Jonathan. Not everybody else. That's the and thing. It's not everybody with the deepest passion like that. You yes. know what I mean. And, not everybody is dedicated their whole life to baseball and everything else. Like you, you know, you, you, you would probably take a 10 hour damn game, but I mean, everybody else out in the world, you know, we got shit to do. Jonathan, I ain't sitting through no damn 10 hour damn baseball game. 2005. I think it was 2005, it was 2004, 2005. I remember it was Braves and Astros. Uh, first uh, divisional round uh, game that went 18 innings. I watched every inning of that ball game. I did not walk away from my seat at the 18 innings that that game went. But I I watched every single. I will absolutely sit and watch a six hour oh. ball game if yeah, I had opportunity. Games that fully matter like that, playoff games. Absolutely, okay. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, Look, but regular season game. Middle June. This is the, you know how I watch. This is a this is how I watch the Cubs. I watch the first three innings, and if they're still tied, and I'm not pissed off where I got to turn the fucking channel yet, I I'll take a nap. Uh, I wake up, it's the seventh inning, and if it's tied or close, and I'm not pissed off during my nap, after my nap, I'll finish the last three innings. So I've got a good hour nap in there, uh, especially on Sundays, uh, midday games. Those are the best. You know, you wake up, you watch the game, first three innings, you fall, take a nice little hour nap, wake up, and catch the last three. It's perfect. So, so here's my question to you guys now, all right? Major League Baseball has said for years they want more action in their game. What better what what better situation? Bottom nine, two outs, bases loaded, for for something action to take place, and you took that action away by the umpire calling. I don't think that's going to happen in the regular season. I don't think so either. It, it happens. In, it happens in college baseball. It's going on in college baseball. It's the same thing that's going on in college baseball. College baseball season is already in their, in their regular season right now, and that's happening in college baseball. The LSU Kansas State game. LSU Kansas State game ended on a called strike by the umpire t- uh, calling a batter out for being taken too long. That is going to transpire in the regular season. I didn't, I, I, I didn't know college baseball had a time. Me clock. neither. College baseball had it first, then it went to minor leagues. College baseball has been doing uh, a pitch clock for about three years now. Look at that. The NCAA continues to ruin stuff. Now it's a little different. <laughs> college, college baseballs, uh, and I talked to, and I, I, I talked to uh, my dad and a couple of umpires. Uh, it the pitch clock rule is a little bit different in aspect of the, you know because I know the pitcher and catcher can just the batter has to be aware the pitcher and catcher don't have to be ready for the batter to be called for a strike. College baseball, the pitcher and catcher have to be ready as well. So, uh, in, in almost in the same time, I know the pitcher and catcher has to be ready in nine seconds compared to eight for the batter. But the pitch, the, the, the rules a little bit different in college baseball, but there is the similar rule of pitch clock that's going on in college baseball. And the LSU Kansas State game this past weekend ended in the ninth inning on a called out by batter taking too long. It's gonna be this is this is going to happen. So now my next question to you guys: How does that? How how is the reaction if that affects the team's October postseason opportunity? Well, that'd be huge. Or or what if a what if a World Series games ends that way? All right. 
Oh, now we're talking NFL level of how they yeah. know news <laughs> with pass interferences. Yeah. And all those and roughing the passer calls, right? I don't I, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see. Like, this I don't I hope it doesn't affect the regular season. To, to I get, hope it does sure as shit hope pray that it don't affect the World Series. To get, to get views, to get attention, negative hey, that's has to happen. Yeah. Look at the NFL. That's we see yeah. the NFL. You're Saints, for instance, right? That that Rams playoff game. Yep. That was huge, blatant. Nobody yep. could miss that, and they did. You know, yep. it, they got the negativity. It brought a bunch of media. It brought a bunch of attention. And, and it brought a rules change. Yeah. It brought a rules change too. They changed the yeah. rule for, uh, after that happened to where you can review pass interference calls. Are guys in yeah. baseball going to adjust to this? Yes, but it's still going. To, you're still going to have a batter or two that's just going to get called. For, Manny Machado said, "I guess I'm going to start with an 0-1 count more times than not." Because yep. he's not going to adjust. He doesn't want to adjust. And, and until they, the older guys won't adjust. Until which, the Padres sit down with him and say, look, we're tired of you being with an 0-1 count to start off. You know, you're going to need to be 10 years, 500 million, so you better fucking get a chance <laughs> out there and start. No one won ever Now, there is a strategy that I heard that minor leaguers, when they were doing this last year, minor leaguers actually, with the, uh, they're at bat start, so they're allowed to call time once, and they're at bat. So then a bat starts, they, they get in the box, they call time immediately. Now they get a little bit of chance to kind of refresh and, re, and reassess themselves from there. But after that, then you're done. So, I mean, it, it, it just takes so much aspect out of what goes on to hit. And guys in the front office, and I, and I, I hate that Major League Baseball Players Association, the Players Union, did not fight for this more. They did not fight against this. They didn't, you know, they, they, I don't know if they really understood the ramifications of what was going to happen to the game. And again, the, you know, is a shorter ball game better? Okay. I, for the generic fan, sure. For the diehard fan like me, no, I, I said, I'm okay with a three hour ball game. I'm okay with a three hour ball game. I get that. Fan. You know? Huh? The growing fan, the fan <laughs> that they haven't quite got the attention to yet. Yes. Not, though. That's the thing, though. I don't think they're going to. I, the, People well, don't understand the game. The people they're trying to reach out to don't understand the game of baseball. It's not like football. Football is, just, football is just true. Football is true. It just is just straight entertainment. It is something cool to watch and it's entertaining. Basketball, it is something cool to watch and entertaining the entire time. Baseball, there is new. There's so many different things that go on that you have to truly understand what goes on in the game to enjoy the full aspect of it. The generic fan shows up, watches. Okay, I guess I'll clap right now because I think something good happened. I'll go get a drink. I'll go get a, a wave real quick, right? right? Yeah, sure. And then mm -hmm. you know, like they don't understand the aspect of what's going on in the game. They're just there at the social event most of the time. Sporting events is social events. By the, the way, the diehard favorite thing from social event is but, when the ball gets hit in the air. Doesn't matter how far it goes, it's always going to be almost a home run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially, well, especially when the, top especially, of the first baseman, especially when Chip Carey's calling the uh, games, you know, you know, with the Cardinals, he's gonna, he's, it's, it's so much entertaining for Chip to the ball fly, fly ball deep, and it was caught by left field, and you know, <laughs> to hello, so. uh, yeah, I mean, I, they did it backwards though. You don't, you don't alienate the the season ticket holder, diehard fans that will watch the game, that will watch game one of April, and will still watch it in June. Watching in August, watching September, and continue watching it obviously through the postseason from there. You got to take care of those who are going to who are putting their their they're putting their hard earned dollars in the stadium, and you still find ways to cater to you get to the younger generation. There's different ways to do it, and they they did not do it the right way. 
It's a lot of a lot of rules at once too. I think uh, Johnny here. Can they tweak it during the season? Do they, they would have to wait till after the season. Yeah, after the season. This one, they they couldn't tweak it during the season. They I think they tried doing that with another rule, and they they weren't able to to execute it till after. So, um, obviously, there's a lot, Jonathan, to to see how the season goes. I've heard good things on my side of things uh, for people down in training for the players and coaches. Uh, they they do like it, but I'm also curious to see how this develops as we enter actual baseball come uh, March, end of March here. So they, they like it until it affects them and they're at bat. <laughs> I mean, that, that's how you look at it. I mean, again, yeah, you're pitching, right? Brian Snitker was said the same thing. I guess, well, hey, I guess we, I mean, this is something that was just, it's, it's a rule. And I guess it's something that we're just going to have to, if it hadn't do. happened to the, if it hadn't happened to Jonathan's Braves, he wouldn't give a shit. But because it happened to his Braves, that's, that's where he, that's where he had to take offense to it. <laughs> Well, no, because it happened against the Red Sox too. It happened, the, the Red Sox player, a Red Sox player, got burned by the by it as well. And I saw it again. LSU benefited uh, in college baseball for that in the, in the ball game. I, I just let them let them play, let the boys play, let the game be called by the by the players. Don't give the umpires. We we always talk about you know don't let the don't let the umpire control the game. You as a batter, you control the zone. You control what happens from there. Don't let the umpire make the decision for you. Now you have no choice. The umpire's going to make the decision. What he wants us to do, or, you know, wants the players to do is control which, the game. Which, do we really want Angel Hernandez and C.B. Buckner to make these calls? <laughs> do we really want them to have that much power now? You know, that's true. You're giving the power to the wrong motherfuckers. <laughs> that's for sure. Gosh. Angel Hernandez may, may mistake the eight for a six and still call, uh, uh, still call a strike on it. Right. No, what he'll do is there'll be a pitch that'll go by, at, you know, an appearance, and then he'll call him out the next time around. <laughs> oh, by the way, you went over eight seconds last time. You're here. Uh. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have the what the official in the uh, in the Chiefs uh, and Bengals game where he runs on, waves his arms, and then lets the play happen and go. Oh wait, I had a penalty here. He goes. He, you know. He goes What's at the that? clock. Ball's, ball's already been thrown. He's looking at the clock and goes. Oh, I have a pitch uh, pitch clock, clock violation. I, I wish you didn't say Angel Hernandez. I mean, that's just, that's just cringe. <laughs> All right, we, we got like 10 minutes or 15 minutes here, a little, little, little about 15, 10, 15 here. So. Sorry, but I know I, I went long no, enough. Yeah, you said you wanted to go off. I mean, I'm all in for a good discussion like that. We'll, we'll <laughs> obviously be talking. This is obviously a later subject for our shows here as we do every Monday night. Uh, I I have more stuff for myself that I think is beneficial for – MLB, but we'll get into that to a different day. Jonathan and I have kind of already gone on about it, but we'll, we'll get into a different day. So let's uh let's, let's get our breakdown going of the NL West coming into play. Uh, obviously, are we going bottom to top? Bottom I'll, to top. I'll start it all, and you guys just give me your input. So, bottom. Okay, top. okay. <laughs> bottom to top. So, all right, guys. No, I was just I thought we were giving our rankings, like who we got, but. Oh no, we're we're just gonna talk about l- just a little bit about each team. And then, oh, okay, okay. We'll, I, was, like, I, was, I was coming in prepared to give my uh, predictions. That's what I was hey, trying to do. Jonathan, obviously Nick didn't watch our show last week, so you know, <laughs> this is already proves right there. Right. <laughs> but I thought that's what we was gonna do. Y'all waited for me this week. That's why. <laughs> that's what. It, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> All right, guys, let's, let's get into it here. Let's start with our first team here: Colorado Rockies, finishing at the bottom of the NL West. 6894 uh finished 3 and 7 the last 10 differential of minus 175 not quite the worst because we knew that last week from the tigers uh looking into play here 
their additions, they added pitcher Fernando Abad, uh, pitcher Brent Suter, pitcher Jose Arena, or Urena, uh, third base Nolan Jones, but they lost shortstop Jose Iglesias, pitcher Chad Cool, pitcher Carlos Estevas, pitcher Alex Colom, and outfielder Sam Hillard for this team here. Uh, you know what, Nick? I'll let you start off. What are we thinking here of this Rockies team? I, you just listed a bunch of who? Uh, the hell did they add players? Because I ain't never heard of sing- they add one single good piece. I got them dead last again this in this division. Uh, uh, you know that's what you get, Chris Bryant. So uh, I mean, that's up to Chris Bryant. Can he stay healthy enough to keep this team relevant? No, no, man, that's what you get, Chris. Sorry, KB. Used to love you once at one point in time. Uh, I got them dead last. I mean, this division's. I mean, they got two really good teams, two middle esque teams, and then the bottom feeder here. Jonathan, what's your thoughts here on this call? Yeah, I I agree. I think the I think the Rockies their full rebuild and with a loaded division and this this division is loaded uh, with with teams that are at the top that are you know the, the Dodgers Padres at the top improving team like the Diamondbacks the Giants are still a good team. I think this lo- this division is too loaded for the Rockies to really improve on what they are and and they're just a rebuilding team that. You know they spent some money on certain players, but they they were, they've lost some they lost a lot of talent where they kind of needed it, and I just don't think they have the, they don't have the skill set the talent to really compete, uh, nor the depth to be able to compete, and, and that's gonna be, it's gonna be really tough in, in Denver to, to to really look at it and say that you're you're having, you're gonna challenge, you know Diamondbacks and Giants, let alone the Padres and, and Dodgers in this division, uh, they're they're leaps and bound behind the rest of those teams, and I just think that they're they're gonna be as you said they're gonna be falling behind. They may finish with a worse record than what they had last year. I kind of see they're gonna they're gonna lose a few more games, and they're probably, you know, around sixty two to sixty five games is probably where they're gonna finish around. Look yeah. at the trade deadline. That's when they'll make their mega their biggest moves because they're gonna be trading veterans like Randall Grichik, maybe Charlie Blackman, and uh, CJ Cron. A couple of those guys I could see going uh, different places at the trade deadline. Yeah, I agree here. It's, it's just going to be a bad team. This is going to definitely be one of the worst teams in the league. Um, losing a guy, you know, such as uh, uh, Jose Iglesias for shortstop, it's just, I mean, it kind of kills your offense anyways as it is. You brought in a bunch of pitchers, but they're not effective pitchers. Like Brent Suter is going to be good, I think, for this team, but that's a relief pitcher. That's not your starting guys. That's not your guys leading all the way, the charge here. You can only use Suter for so much, so. This team isn't going to be very good at all. I don't think so for the Rockies. Uh, you know what, Nick? I'll start with you. What's your record? What's your wins prediction for this Ooh, team? Shit, I wasn't prepared for that. I was just prepared to tell you they were going to finish dead last. Um, <laughs> you didn't watch the show at all. <laughs> uh, you, heard 10 minutes, you heard 10 minutes worth of me talking hockey at first and said, screw it. I did. I was like, I ain't watching that shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see last year they went 68 and 94 yep uh i'm gonna say somewhere similar to that i'm gonna give them i don't know what 60 and 100 is that possible did i do my math right they're gonna have 100 losses so, so 62 and 100 62 and 100 yep that's fair okay jonathan what you got I very similar. I said I think I think they're 
they're around at 62 to 65 win mark. I won't give them a hundred losses. I think they'll, I'll be nice and say they'll, they'll finish with 65 wins. So 65 and I think it's well, 197 and, and 65 and 97 will be their record. I like it. I'm going to go 65 as well. I like that. I like that win total there for uh, Colorado. Obviously not a very good roster, not, not worse than the A's, but uh, definitely not a good roster at all. Lots of moves to be made at trade deadline for them to grow maybe on picks and some other guys. So, uh, I agree, guys. So, all right, let's do it. And I here get my work for once. There it goes. Okay. So, next up, Arizona Diamondbacks, 74 88 last year, uh, minus 38 differential, four and six the last 10. Uh, their additions they picked up pitcher Miguel Castro, pitcher Scott Mago, uh, center field Kyle Lewis from a trade, uh, Cooper from trading Cooper Ham Hummel. Third base, Yvonne Longoria, uh, pitcher Zach Davies, and outfielder uh, Lourdes Guerrero Jr. They actually picked up Davies, or no, because they had Davies last year, and they ended up picking him up again after releasing him in that part. Uh, the subtractions, the releases, is pitcher Caleb Smith, pitcher Ian Kennedy, which old guy, right? Outfielder Stone Garrett, outfielder Cooper Hummel, and outfielder Jordan Laplo. Uh, on this here. So Jonathan, we'll start with you here. What do you think about this Diamondbacks team uh, for this year? I, I think they're heading in the right direction. I think this is going to be a group that is going to be a little bit more competitive. They've got a lot of young talent and they're kind of looking at it and saying, you know, if not this year, 2024, we really start making our move in, in, in this division. Uh, they're going to be an improved team. Are they going to be a contender for this division this year in 2023? No, they're they're not there yet. But there's a lot of promise in that in that uh, roster. There's a lot of promise in that line, and they spend a little bit of money too. They're spending a little bit of money in Arizona now as well. So they're they're kind of building something that that not today, but here pretty soon they're going to be a competitive team in this division. So I, I'm I'm very high on Arizona right now. I, I'm buying high on them that they can be competitive. They can win some ball games and steal some ball games in this division as well. Especially again, the, the division, the schedules changed, so they're not playing as many times against each other uh, this year. So they can go and steal some games from the, uh, around the around the league as well, and kind of change the 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 culture of what they they're doing in, in Arizona. So I, I I like what they're doing. I, I like what they're building. I, I'm I'm seeing some things that are going to be some good uh, good in 2023. That's setting up for a very good 2024. I like it. Nick, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I actually got the Diamondbacks here finishing ahead of the Giants in this division, uh, similar to what Jonathan said. I think that they've uh, upgraded a little bit. They got the right people, uh, the right guys coming in. I got them going third in this division uh, uh, over the um, uh, over the Giants. So I got them third here. I like it. Yeah, this is a good young team here for Arizona. Um, I'm loving that Madison Bumgarner's back here for this veteran presence in this lineup. I think Zach Davies ends up being like a trade bait towards the trade deadline area. But I like He's garbage Gellin. for the Cubs. I know, right? Well, he is, period. So Zach Gellin, Merrill, uh, Merrill Kelly, I like them in the rotation. I love me Lourdes Guerrero Jr. Uh, as kind of your depth guy, your utility guy that you can use throughout the outfield. A guy that can be sneaky good come towards the uh, uh, middle of the season just for a depth guy. So. I like this team. Um, I guess uh, I'll start with the record prediction here for Arizona. They finished with 74 wins last year. Uh, for me, I'll give them 78 this this upcoming year. What do you got, Nick? 
I got them. I, I got actually kind of them flip flopping with the Giants almost record wise too. Give me. Uh, I got Arizona five hundred. Five hundred. Five hundred. Sniffing around that eighty win mark. One eighty one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of I'm pretty close to that as well. I think they're 80 and 82. I think they're going to be falling short, just a little bit short of uh, of a 500 record, but they're going to be an improved team. They're going to be very competitive. I think if they it, now if they make some moves to add at the deadline, then they, they obviously I think I, and I, if they could be buyers, almost kind of like what Seattle. If they're in the direction that Seattle was in 2022, and they make a move to buy and kind of say we're going to make a move to help us in 2023, but it's going to really take off in 2024. You can really see them jump above 500 from there. And I, then I think that's, that's very likely for this group. It's just a matter of as how, how fast do they want the rebuild to finish? Cause they're, like I said, they're going in the right direction, but they got to make sure if they make a move to buy in, they got to make a move for 2023 and for the future in 2024 as well. Much like what the Mariners did trading for Luis Castillo last year and really say, we're going to, we're going to plug him and go here in 2023. If they can make a move like that, I can see them being above fine burner, but I'm going to keep them just a little bit below at 80 and 82 right now. I like it. I like it. Real quick here, uh, Johnny out here says, Nick actually did research and y'all just shit on him. <laughs> exactly. I mean, exactly. Just sounds like a normal show to me. Uh, <laughs> Johnny says, the Rockies need to put a roof on the stadium to get some free agents without overpaying, especially pitchers. What's your thoughts, Jonathan? is that it's still not going to really help. It's still, I mean, the elevation doesn't change because there's a roof. I mean, it's still, the ball's still going to carry pretty, unless you, unless you make it's the, it's nuts in the summer. It's not, that I mean, is, is the whole stadium going to be a humidor? <laughs> I mean, if that's the case, then, I mean, then that's where you I, start smoking them cigars out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, in the summer, you wouldn't want to play in that. Essentially, what I mean is what the Rangers they put a they put a they got to build a new stadium, build a roof to take away from the heat. The ball doesn't carry as much indoors uh, since now, but I, I, I don't I, I don't think that's going to change the elevation if you put a roof on that stadium. And like I said, that's a it's one of the it's the beautiful settings in Major League Baseball is being in the, around the Rockies out there. So, uh, I mean, you're you're just you just know you're not going to get top level pitchers no matter no matter what. So I mean, like guys yeah. like Verlander and Scherzer and and. Uh, you know, Alcantara, and if he goes to a free agent, they're not going to go to, they're just not going to go to Colorado. It's just not something that's, it's not a destination for them, no matter what you do with the stadium. Uh, so it's just, you're kind of, you're kind of just in that, in that position where you got to find a way to, to get your offense going and find solid, a, a group of solid pitchers that can give you chances. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. It, I think it's the market as well from where they're at. It's just they're just not going to get a lot of big free agents. That's what it is. So they have at times, though. Remember, uh, I mean, they got Mike Hampton. One, remember, Mike, they yeah. signed Mike Hampton. A lot. I mean, this was way back when. I mean, they just signed Kevin, uh, you know, Chris Bryant. They have gotten guys at time or two, but then they just don't mount to much or they don't do shit. Yeah, well, you, get, you get guys on the back end of their the back end of their careers. Like at the time, Hampton was kind of around that. Yeah, uh, back back then he was he was not the same pitcher that he was early on at that you know, at that time. But so you you know you're not going to get the top guys in Colorado. But again, if you get if you put together a five solid rotation, which is what Colorado when they were competitive, you know, in, in the '90s and early 2000s, they had a solid rotation, good bullpens. They knew they were going to give up runs. They just pitched to the way that they were that what the what was going to be, and let their offense still carry them. And again, that's that, that offense in the '90s where you had Larry Walker and Dante Bichette and Benny Castillo. You, you know they haven't had that kind of lineup 
in a long time. And I know that's still with Todd Helton and, and now Charlie Blackman and everything, but yeah. that was a deep lineup you had in the 90s and uh, early 2000s at that point. That's an aspect that they just haven't had since then. But the pitching staff, it's just it's got to be better. they got to go get solid guys and, and the, the depth necessary to be what they need to be. Since they have to overpay or older players. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's, it's kind of yeah. market it is for Colorado. So, all right, let's get back into it here. Uh, a team I thought was very disappointing in their finish. Uh, San Francisco, 81-81, 500 team here. Uh, finished 7-3 their last 10, 19 positive differential uh, for them. They add, uh, where are you at? There you go, Giants. Adds outfielder Mitch Hanniger, pitcher Ross Strip- Stripling, pitcher Sean Manea, uh, Jock Peterson, DH, outfielder Michael Conforto, outfielder Mitch Hanniger. I already said that. No, I didn't. Yeah, I did. <laughs> nice. Subs, pitcher Carlos Rodon on the on the uh, subtractions, pitcher Carlos Rodon. First base, Brandon Belt. Third base, Evan Longoria. Uh, Jarlin Garcia, Jose Olivares, and Willie Calhoun. Um, obviously, they lost that like Carlos Rodon one. I think it's the biggest hit of it all uh, for this team, for this Giants team. But I guess, uh, Jonathan, we'll start with you this time here. What's your thoughts on this Giants team? Well, don't forget, they, they – you, you forgot one person on both lists of the add and subtract, and that was Carlos Correa. Who, who, who I was say, yeah. And Aaron Judge, right? Like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could have put him on both of those lists. For the <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think they're going to be better offensively. Again, losing Rodon in that rotation absolutely hurts. Uh, it's well. not bad. Sean Manet is not bad. You know, he's no, that's a good, that's a good guy. That's a good, uh, <laughs> it's a good piece to add, but is Manea going to be a number one guy for you that can go, that can go and just win you a game? Or if you're having a strike, aces are supposed to be the guy that keeps a win streak going or ends the losing streak. Is Manea going to be that guy for you in San Francisco? And that's, that's to be determined right now. He he's had some good moments. He's had some highs. He's had some lows. Uh, in, in recent years, but is he going to be that number one that you need? Rodon developed himself into that number one guy and, and has pitched really well the last couple of years for San Francisco. So that's a big loss that you take away from uh, from that rotation. But you did add a lot of offensive pieces to this team that you're going to add. Again, you you got you know Jock Peterson back. He's been play. He played really well in San Francisco. You added Mitch Haniger who. He has good power. He can he can get on base for you. He can drive in runs. Uh, so they're going to score runs. It's just a matter of can they pitch well enough to compete in this division, which is a division that's at the top-heavy side loaded at starting pitching. And that's going to be the determining factor of where the Giants are moving forward this year. I like it, Nick. Yeah, uh, did anybody have a more disappointing offseason than the Giants, like we just mentioned, with getting Judge and Correa and watching them go bye-bye? Uh, I mean, Jesus. Uh, that's like, I mean, talking about blowing your load before she takes her clothes off. Uh, that's what happened. <laughs> so I got the Giants finishing fourth. I think the downward spiral continues. Uh, continues. I got them fourth in this division. I, I, I do think, you know, losing Rondon, they do got jocks, but they got a decent lineup, but they don't have anybody to me that really scares you. Uh, you know, that sticks out and you're like, man, that guy, we got, we, we can't let this guy beat us, you know, like they just have some, 
above average, you know, some really above average hitters, but they don't have that one great key piece that's going to keep them going. Uh, they don't have a good bolt. They don't have a good pitching staff, like a great pitching staff. We, you know, we mentioned Rondon leaving. I got them finishing fourth uh, behind the behind the uh, the aforementioned Diamondbacks that we just talked about. Gotcha. Yeah. This this Giants team, it's it's interesting. Yeah, interesting offseason for sure. Like Nick said, there. Um, I love the Michael Conforto. I love the Jack Peterson additions for this team. Just kind of good bats, good outfielders, you know, kind of utility guys you can use. I'm a little worried about everything else on the infield side of things for the offense. Uh, the starting pitching, I think will be pretty decent uh, for this team here, but I mean, they finished 81, 81 with Carlos Rodon, you know, a bunch of injuries last year too, off and on, but it's, it's a team that should have finished definitely higher. You know, maybe not quite LA beating LA out. So, uh, my prediction here, I did 78 for the Diamondbacks. I'm going to give my wins total here first. I'll go 80 wins for the Giants this year. I think they get enough uh, pitching support that it keeps them in games. So not quite 500, but, you know, it's all right. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to be optimistic. Uh, and like, much like I said, as far as the Diamondbacks, so that you know, 80 wins is their floor. I could see them be above 500. I'm gonna have it. I'm gonna have them at uh, the Giants at at 500, 81, 81. But I could see them be below 500. I think that the I, I, I kind of agree uh, what Nick's saying that that you know that they could be b- below the Diamondbacks when it's all said and done. I think though they, they I'm gonna predict that they're gonna be ahead in third place barely by by a couple games. But I could see them fall down the uh, basically fall, fall down the rabbit hole this year and absolutely just get surpassed by the Diamondbacks and have. As I agree, there's a disappointing season in 2022. What they haven't done, they didn't do enough to rid themselves of what happened. I predict the Giants actually win the division last year in 2022 uh, in the West. So I was very disappointed on what I saw from that group, and they haven't done anything to really say that they're going to put themselves in the direction to compete. Uh, so 81 81 is the record I'm predicting, but I could see them be below 500 this year. Gotcha. All right. All right, guys, let's move on here. San Diego Padres spend money, get money is what it is for this team. And 89 73 record last year, uh, five and five, the last 10 45 differential. Obviously we saw the push they made in the playoffs. Uh, couldn't just quite finish it out there to, was to beat the Phillies, right? In that play? Yeah. Man, how crazy is that? Uh, you have uh, the, the Padres here adding shortstop. Xander Bogarts, pitcher Nick Martinez, pitcher Robert Suarez, Matt Carpenter, Nelson Cruz on the DH side. Uh, they did lose Josh Bell. They lose, did lose Shamanea, Mike Clevenger for pitcher, pitcher Pierce Johnson, utility Brandon Drury, outfielder Will Myers, and outfielder uh, Jerickson Profar. So, uh, yeah, interesting team here for the San Diego team. Uh, Jonathan, start us off here. What do we got for the Padres? This is probably the most loaded team that, uh, that, that and not just in this division, but in baseball. I mean, again, you have you have all stars lined up. Name a spot, and you have an all star somewhere. You have one of the best players in the positions in, the, in right field, one of the best players in his position in third base. One of the best defensive, uh, one of the best uh, players, the top five shortstop uh, uh, that you have on the roster now. 
you have you know ace pitchers you know on your you know not not pitcher pitchers that are in your rotation so i mean i'm this is a loaded team, and again, I think they underperformed last year. I think they, I think they know that too. They know they underperformed in, in in the regular season, and they made up for it by what they did in the postseason and made their run that they did. I, this team is going to be if they don't finish first in this division this year, it's going to be disappointing. It's going to be very disappointing because again, now you have continuity with Soto being there throughout the off season, spring training now not just at a trade deadline. You have Machado, who just got his extension. He's happy now. Bogart's got his contract. He's happy. These guys are are, are feeling good about themselves or in, you know, and being there together and, and, and having that team continuity going into the season. It's just going to set them up for a really, really good year. And I, I can see that this is probably the best. This probably be, should be the best team in the division and one of the top two uh, teams, uh, top two, top three teams in the NL. And don't forget Tatis Jr.'s coming back. He's not listed on there, but he'll um, be back. So. We we got to see what he looks like coming back, though. I mean, again, he's missed a lot of time, so we'll we'll see what he looks like coming back after the suspension. And Josh time. Hader, can he can he fix his problems? He was awful once he put that Padres yeah. uniform on. Yeah, Nick, what do you got? Uh, I you know it's just one of the things. I, I until I see it, I then I believe it. Uh, so I got them finishing second again to the Dodgers. Uh, I, I agree with Jonathan. I think on paper they could be the best team in baseball. Uh, you look at every all the names. You look at I mean every I mean Matt Carpenter, former you know All Star, Juan Soto. You know they got the names. Uh, Adam Engel's yeah, Nelson a, Cruz, baby. Nelson yeah, Cruz, man. Adam Engel's a heck of a ball player. Like you look at their pitching, Blake Snell, Blake Snell. Like he, you know, it means the number two, like Joe Musgraves, like a number three. Michael Walker is pretty decent at times. And then, you know, it can Josh Hader turn it around and be the better, the catcher that he was in uh, Milwaukee. Can he be you know, the guy from the playoffs? Yeah. 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 Uh, so I, I got them actually finishing second just because it's one of them things. Just like in football, when everybody was picking against the Chiefs, I said, no, they're still the Chiefs. They're going to win the damn division uh, until I see otherwise. I'm, I'm going to go with the, Dodger, the the Padres to finish second. As far as I'll go ahead and give their record, last year they went 89 and 73. I, I, I like them at like 92, 93 wins. Yeah, that's good. That's a good improvement. Uh, yeah, the San Diego Padres team here, obviously great lineups. I mean, for now, Tatis is coming back. I mean, who knows what he looks like. If he's anything remotely close to what he was beforehand, it's going to be a vicious team, vicious team moving him to the outfield. Got to keep Matt Carpenter and Nelson Cruz healthy enough to be able to DH and come in. Nelson Cruz, he might be 40, was he, 41, 42, and he's still out here hitting bombs for teams? Like, it's ridiculous. Uh, I, like, you know, Nick said too, if Josh Hader's anything remotely close to what he was in the playoffs, just, I mean, even if he starts this team, like he did with the Brewers, like this team is dangerous. This team can keep going. So uh, I love, I love the pitching staff. I love the relief pitching. I think it's one of the best in the league. I think, I think this team in general is one of the best in the league. I will buy the hype, but I'm not giving my record prediction until we do the lane uh, Dodgers. So, uh, we'll, uh, do the Dodgers next year. Jonathan, did you give your record prediction? I, I have not. No, I, and this should probably give you an indication of what I think. I, I think Padres will finish oh, with 100 wins. I think they'll be at 101 wins. Uh, they'll be at 101 and 61 to finish out this uh, finish out 2023. I like it. I like it here. 
All right, guys, we'll do our final team here, and I'll, then I'll give my prediction for the winner here. Uh, all right, L.A. Dodgers. Talk about a different, a disappointing postseason. L.A. Dodgers. That's the Dodgers for you, though. <laughs> 111 and 51, which is a stupid record. Uh, six and four the last 10. 334 positive differential for this team. That's just ridiculous. Uh, their ads in the offseason, they added pitcher Noah Syndergaard, uh, DHJD Martinez, uh, pitcher uh, JP Fireisen. I think I said it right. I don't know. Pitcher Shelby Miller, infielder Miguel Rojas, outfielder Jason Hayward. That that don't mean nothing. <laughs> you love that guy, right. uh, but you, they you might as well say they added Jonathan Grishman, Nick Bodkins, and Tanner. I mean, with with Jason Hayward. Lord, uh, so they did lose. Here's where the, here's where the big news comes into play. Shortstop Trey Turner, Ugh. center fielder Cody Bellinger, Ugh. third base Justin Turner, Ugh. outfielder Joey Gallo, maybe pitcher Tyler Anderson, pitcher Andrew Heaney, pitcher Craig Kimball. Pitcher David Price, pitcher Tommy Cow, pitcher Chris Martin, pitcher, pitcher, pitcher. Seems like they lost a lot of pitching here in the play. So let's bring them up here for their roster. Uh, Nick, we'll start with you here for this Dodgers team. What do you got? I know you said that they lost a lot of pitchers. Some of those guys were past their prime, like David Price and those guys. That Some of those guys don't matter. I think Luce and Trey Turner is going to hurt a little bit, obviously. But they're the freaking Dodgers. They'll figure it out. They probably got some kid we never freaking heard of uh, that is coming come up and he's going to be a five-tool player that just like they always have, just like they always do, uh, or they'll go out and make some fancy freaking trade and go get somebody at the deadline. Uh, that's what they'll do. They will not – they're not going to just go away. Uh, they still got Clayton Kershaw. Uh, I expect Julio – I've been high on Julio Reyes for a while, so I expect another nice season for him. Uh, I do like Dustin May, that ugly SOB. Uh, I've always been a fan of Noah Syndergaard, but I know he's he's not great, but I've always just been a fan of Thor. Maybe it's just because his nickname I think it's Thor. Because that's why, that's why I like him, not because yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, uh, I, you know, they still got Freddie Freeman. They still got a good lineup uh, top to bottom. They'll figure it out. I actually got them finishing, still finishing first. Now, I said that the Padres were going to get 93, 94 wins. I got the Dodgers. They're not going to win 111 this year. Not, that's insane. But I got them falling back down, and I got them winning about uh, 96, 97 games. So not the Padres are going to be right there. Uh, watch out. Uh, it could be like late, late season push here by the Dodgers uh, and kind of in the last month or so to take this division by about three games. Gotcha. Jonathan, what you got? The one name you didn't mention as far as the loss. Now, he didn't leave the Dodgers, but he's not going to be available in 2023. I don't think he's going to be available. I have to double check to make sure. But Walker Bueller is out with I yeah. really, they had Tommy John. Yeah. So I don't think he's coming back in 2023. I'd say that is a huge loss, more so than what you named off as far as the pitchers that they, and the number of pitchers they lost. That just they, that What's made the Dodgers so special in this run they've been on is their pitching depth. Bueller being part of that pitching depth. And he's been, you know, he's been the better pitcher. I know, and uh, I love Clayton, uh, and and I'm, I hope he's not mad. You know, Bueller's been the the ace of this team over the last few years. Clayton has been a, you know, a a you know, ace 
one a one a a one b ace for this team for a while. But Bueller's been the better pitcher. Tony Gonsolin had some good year uh, a good year last year as well. So I mean, the depth wise, I think it's going to take a hit. I don't trust Noah Syndergaard. I, I I just don't. I don't. Besides the one to two the two good years he had in New York, he's not been the same pitcher that we've expected him to be in his career. I don't trust him to be even a number five at this point, compared to what the Dodgers have had in their in their you know last four or five years. You know that's a huge hit not having Bueller because again Dustin May should be the number five. He's not have to be the number four, but has to be number three. If if Gonsolin can stay healthy, if he doesn't stay healthy because he had injury issues as well in, uh, in the second half of the Dodgers, that means everybody moves up one spot. So Dustin uh, uh, Walker Bueller being out absolutely hurts this team's depth in the pitching rotation. And that's something, that, again, that we just talked about with the Padres. They're loaded pitching, and pitching wins. No matter what you do on offense, pitching does win. So uh, I think that's a concern. If you're the Dodgers, you know, Dodgers fan or you're part of the Dodgers, you're concerned about what this pitching staff is going to actually look like. Can Dustin May take the next step in his development and, and be that, that solid, that stud pitcher number four, that just increases the depth of this team and makes them that much better. Is Tony Gonsolin going to be able to repeat uh, 2022 and, and uh, this year in 2023? Can Clayton stay healthy uh, another uh, this year as well? You know that there's so many question marks in this team and the on the ball uh, in the pitching staff that we've not heard about or not and not asked in years past with the with, with the Dodgers. So I think that's something that's going to take into a consideration how far this go, this team can go in the regular season and, and really compete with the Padres. And even in the October, with pitching, pitching is the next level. Do they have enough? And that was a question we asked in the, 20, in the postseason. Is their pitching staff going to be enough to carry them to the World Series again? And the answer to that question was no in, in, in 2022 in October. That is going to repeat this season and the regular season in 2023. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I think the pitching staff is kind of my worry in this team for L.A., I don't mind the offense too much. I think they're going to have their games. Obviously, uh, I could see LA making a push for a, you know, a guy at the trade deadline for sure to ramp up this team a little bit. Um, but hey, by the way, as far as uh, Bueller, uh, he is still starting his throwing program soon, so they're not really ruling them out just yet. Um, I, I'd say if everything goes okay, even though he has to have that extra surgery, they're still not ruling them out. So, you know, I'd that could be a playoff arm potentially if he comes back correctly we'll see we'll see I, I don't have hope that he will i think he'll we'll see him in 2024 so <laughs> more means. likely and that's yeah. what it should be and, and it should be and again if they hopefully they don't rush him because yes. uh, right. if that's the case if that's the case they rush him and he gets and he gets hurt again well that's just another year loss at that point for a special talent that's on the mound for the for this dodgers team agreed Agreed. Yeah. So back to this Dodgers team, guys. I, I'm not overly impressed with the starting pitching. We haven't seen Kershaw be exactly Kershaw in a few years. Well, I mean, he's getting up there, you know. Yeah, he's battling those injuries. Uh, Noah Syndergaard hasn't been the same since 15. Uh, I'm not overly impressed by the relief pitching. We saw we saw what exactly what we thought in the playoffs, right? This, can this team keep up with other teams, especially in the pitching department? And they couldn't. So I got this team here. Finishing second uh, this year here, unless they make a big push and in, into play. Uh, give me, give me the Dodgers. Not to go too far, but you know, give me the Dodgers at 89 wins, uh, and then I'll have the Padres over here uh, sniffing 100. Give me 98 wins for the Padres this year. What what you got, Jonathan? 
I, you know what? I, I, I gave my prediction as far as with the Padres being at 101 wins, and I think they've, I think they surpassed the Dodgers. I think they have, they, you know, as far as talent wise on paper, pitching and and what they can do offense. You you compare and contrast the the lineups, and again, I know the right field. Both teams have elite level right fielders, but if you go down the list as far as with the infield side as well, with you have Machado, you have you have Tatis and Bogarts who are going to be probably going back and forth with DH outfield and shortstop. Padres are just absolutely loaded. I don't th- I don't see this team, this Dodgers team, being as loaded as we've seen them be. And we still have the question mark: Can Gavin Lux be an everyday shortstop for this Dodgers team yeah. after Trey Turner being uh, is uh, going elsewhere? So there's a lot of question marks, even even on the lineup side moving forward. Chris Taylor being an everyday center fielder is that something that's going to happen? Is that something that's going to be a positive uh, side for the lineup? I, I'm going to go with uh, with 92 wins. I think this is, they're going to take a big step back. Obviously, again, I don't think anybody was going to predict them to say 111 again, but I think they're going to fall short uh, of the Padres by you know by a lot of you know almost double double digit games. They'll fall down to 92 wins. I like it. I like it. All right, Jonathan. Any cool tournaments coming up this week or any uh, off season stuff? We are officially on for our season. We had our, uh, like I said, we had our last uh, scrimmage uh, this past weekend. We finished it off with a, a good old-fashioned Louisiana crawfish ball, but the entire organization was so cool seeing, you know, uh, 60, 70 of our kids coming together and, and watching games, watching the girls play. Our baseball team actually came out and watched the girls play, and we kicked off our regular season. We are finally a go. We have our first tournament this weekend uh, with one of our, our younger 14U team. Our season is go. I'm excited. The weather's getting warmer now down here, even though it's a little, it was a little chilly for me tonight. It's 64 degrees, and I was kind of cold. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't, don't hate me, guys. I know you, I know you Northerners are going to probably be like this. You're going to say 64 degrees, and you're cold. Don't hate me on that. But uh, the weather's getting nice. We were, we're heading that side for spring, and our, like I said, our season's around the corner now this week. We have our first tournament, and I am excited to be next weekend. Is, next weekend's my busy. I got four teams in action next weekend, so I'm going to be all over the place uh, in DFW, uh, watching all my kids on the softball and baseball side play, but we got games going on this weekend. I'm excited yeah, for it. That's what I like to hear. Let's get them started. Hey, good luck, Jonathan. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Appreciate we'll it. You, we'll catch you next week here. Next week, we'll talk uh, World Baseball Classic as that approaches. Yeah, that, that's going to be fun. I'm excited for that to start back up. Yep, so that starts the 8th. So, uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that next week. So Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. All right, Jonathan, we appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week, man. Thank you. I appreciate you, it, guys. Have a good one. You too, man. Jonathan Gershman. All right, Nick, what you got coming up here? Uh, Thursday, got the uh, Bodkin Show, uh, and we're going to be talking probably a little baseball with Johnny Cruz. Uh, it's big, big fight week, uh, UFC. The return of the legendary, some people say the greatest of all time, John Bones Jones fight week, potentially. Let's knock on wood because it's been three years since we've seen John Jones at the Octagon. It's been quite a while since I heard And uh, we'll be talking a little bit of that. Hopefully I can get some guests on talk, uh, UFC, the big UFC card. I mean, this, this card um, – it top to bottom is the best card that's been put out in a long time. Uh, so I'm super excited for it. Uh, but the John Jones versus surreal gone, uh, for the heavyweight title. Cause we've not seen John Jones, a fight in three years, B ever fight a heavyweight. So, um, it's going to be interesting. Gotcha. I expect four bets. 
So I'll cool. yeah, remind me. Uh, I I've been meaning to, every time I'm like shit. I every I watch the fights. I'm like shit. I was supposed to t- tell Tanner who to bet yeah. on. I'm waiting for the good stuff to happen. Hey, right now I've been cold, so I don't. I wouldn't. Uh, I don't know if I'm listening. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, any anything else coming in interviews or anything like that? Uh, Sunday, I got a guest uh, coming on, but I, I'm not going to reveal it yet because I don't know if it's locked in yet. I got to talk with Dan. So I like it. I like it. Anticipation, yes. uh, guys. You can catch me here tomorrow on Whiskey Sports Podcast. We'll be talking with Freddie Sandoval, uh, going over his career and also his book and everything like that. So excited to talk with him, former MLB player. There, uh, Thursday we got a big NCAA show going into play with Keith of TGI sports, Bobby G coming to play in Ashton Nick. So I'm excited to talk with those guys on some, uh, as the conference tournaments begin this weekend. So we're right on the corner guys. Selection Sunday. It'll be here before we know it. Uh, obviously we'll be doing something big for that. And then of course you had the buffoons on Wednesday and then in the hoop on Saturday. So, all right guys, everybody have a fabulous show. Johnny, thanks for coming in. Appreciate everybody. See you guys. We'll catch you guys next time. I can click it right. Thank you.